0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I, I want to dive into uh, a topic today. We're, we're going to be talking a, a little bit about relationship rhythms. And I think you're going to understand that a little bit more as we dive into the series. Because I think a lot of us are fighting for maybe balance when what we really need is rhythms. Yeah. And, uh, and so today I, I, I want to speak to you uh from the topic of make sure you start in the right key make sure you start in the right key let me pray for us father in jesus name as we jump into your word today speak to us changes from the inside out lord we know that uh this is this is important lord i i know that our our relationships lord have been a source of some great joy but they've also been a source of some great pain and so lord i just pray that you would uh, speak to us clearly that you would equip us on this journey, that you would uh, bring healing um, to hearts over the, the course of the next four weeks, God, and just ask that your purpose would prevail and that uh, where we start from this day forward would be a game changer. We love you so much and we surrender our time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, uh, I, I want to make sure I break this down uh, Clearly, as clear as I possibly can, because I'm still learning and I'm not an expert in music by any means. Um, but anytime that we're getting ready to uh, select a song set for worship, we always start with prayer. And, and there's just something about worship, and I love to worship God. I was uh, on my piano last night, just by myself, everybody sleeping and just taking some time just to be with Jesus. There's nothing like that on the planet But as as we're praying to select what songs we're going to do on Sunday, we don't just kind of put songs together. Like the team's actually praying and and thinking through like, Lord, what light is there? life on this song? Is this kind of fit with the direction of of the season that you have us in? Is this glorifying to you because we don't want to make it all about us? So there's a lot of prayer that goes into it. But after we select the song, from there we actually need to figure out who's going to sing the song. Because whoever sings the song is going to determine the key that we play in. Right There's different keys. There's keys of C and E, uh, the key of D, and all that good stuff, and every other letter of the alphabet, pretty much, right? And, uh, and you want to make sure that you're in the right key, because that vocal person, whoever's going to be singing, they have a vocal range. And you want to make sure you're in the right key, because if you know what key you're in, then you know what chords to play. And chords would be like, like a C chord or a G chord, like there's chords that are certain chords that you play in certain keys, And then it's this beautiful tapestry, right, of of the right key, the right chords, in the right place that create a rhythm. And and that's where we we come and we worship. And and if the rhythm is good, it's undistracting. Uh, But but you've heard us sometimes when we hit a wrong chord in the wrong key, it can kind of throw you off a little bit, right? Like, Like you feel it, you sense it. You probably sensed it a couple times this morning. Uh, you might have sensed it at least three times, I know, of last week. And it's just kind of like the record scratches because it, it messes up the rhythm. When you play the wrong chord in the wrong key, it's just, it's tough. And it's like, Ugh! and you will be worshiping God, and all of a sudden, oh, oh what was that? What was it? Come on back. Come on back. But here's the deal. We're humans, so if you ever hear that, just push through. Just push through. It's, it's not about you anyways, right? It's, it's about Jesus. But Jackie and I, we, we've been married for, uh, it'll be 15 years in August. That is, that is awesome. And, and over the last 15 years, I would say for about nine of them, our first nine just seemed super smooth. Now, not perfect, but smooth. Like, we just had some great rhythms. We youth pastored for almost 15 years. And when you're in the same place for a long period of time, you figure stuff out. You you, you figure out your your, your groove and your rhythm. We didn't have kids for the first uh, six, almost seven years of our marriage. So we got to, you know, really kind of work on our marriage. And then, you know, uh, Olivia came and then Abigail and now Hannah. But for the first nine years, it just seemed really like we just had some great rhythms. I mean, it, it was so good. Now, believe me, we argued and we had different spats and stuff here and there, just like, you know, couples do but it wasn't anything, like, nothing explosive. And, uh, and so, so we would be with different couples, and, and we would hear, like, man, marriage is just so tough. And, and, and we don't want to pretend like we have it all together. Like, we don't want to be that couple, like, oh, no, it's so easy. And I'm sorry your marriage is so difficult. But, you know, <laughs> but for us, you know, we're because that's never been our heart. But, but from the gate, we just decided that we were going to not be a statistic and that we were, you know, marriage wasn't ball and chain. Marriage was, was, was life. It was life-giving. It was, it was a blessing from God, not a burden. And so, you know, so, so with that being said, there would be moments where we'd find this pressure where we feel like we got to create something that's wrong, right? Like we, we'd have to go in a little bit deeper on things like, yeah, you know, we had this argument last week, and, and it, was, it was rough, you know. And it just, it just felt like, like we had to kind of fabricate some things, right? Just because like, it was, it, there were difficult moments, but for the most part, we had some great rhythms. Until we came to Fountain, until we came here. <laughs> See, before we came here, we were, we were at a church that, that has existed for a long time. And so, so it, it was. we were part of what God was doing in that season, and, and, and we were a part of, of the movement, but we weren't necessarily part of the building. And so then we stepped into Fountain. It was a little bit different. We weren't stepping uh, into something that's been established for a long period of time. It had been established for a while, but, but, but we stepped into something we were going to have to build. And it pressed us in a way that we've never been pressed before as a married couple. And I just so you know, this relationship series is for everybody. So if you're not married, I promise it's not all about married people. Um, but uh, nevertheless, some of these principles are universal and they apply. So just lean in. But, uh, but we, we had never been pressed the way that we were here. And all of a sudden, it was, there was a, uh, we didn't have any rhythms. Like everything was kind of distorted. We weren't really sure how do we function here? How does it, Work. The demand was so much greater, and so we felt a pressure, and see, we thought that we were just okay. We just hadn't been pressed hard enough, and as we started to get pressed, as God started to squeeze us a little bit, the demand started to squeeze us, some brokenness came out. I didn't realize how broken I was in certain areas. Uh, Jackie didn't realize how broken she was in certain areas, and so we're like, man, we thought we were like solid, But we're a little bit messed up. So it was beautiful, though, because God uses different seasons to bring out certain things and and deal with our hearts. And and so we dealt with them. And that's where our kind of freedom journey began. That's where our freedom small group was birthed. And and God began to heal our hearts in a a lot of different areas. And some of it was just, it it, it boiled down to this. We were fighting for something that wasn't real. Like we were trying to figure out this, this reality of normal. And what we found out was we were trying to, to, put, to fit old rhythms in a new season. And it just doesn't work like that. You can't fit old rhythms in a new season. And we tried. We're like, man, we used to have it all just down. I mean, our meal prepping, our workouts, our, our quality time. And then I, I started to realize on the journey that, that anybody ever take the five love languages test? Well, you know what's so awesome about that? The, the five love language test, it's, it's, its really um, it, it's, 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 it gives you great understanding in regards of how to love that other person. If you haven't done that yet, you should go and take that test so you know what your love language is and you know uh, what your spouse's love language is. Or if you're seriously uh, you know, dating or engaged, you want to find that stuff out. But here's what I didn't know. What I didn't know was that your love language can change depending on the season that you're in. And so I'd be like, man, Jack, acts of service, this is your language. And I'm, man, I'm doing the dishes, I'm, I'm doing my part. But what she really needed was quality time. Her love language had shifted because of the demand of the season that we were in. And so it was like, man, it was just crazy. We're trying to, trying to figure this thing out. And we realized real quick, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this passage of Scripture down. It's found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. It says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and, ru- and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Right? And so, so we were trying to fit some old rhythms into a new season, and the pressure was too great. They just did not work. And so here we are. We were fighting for balance, like we just got to find balance. We got we got to just figure out. You know, we're trying to live a normal life. We want our kids to have a normal life because now our kids are involved and all that stuff. And and so, but what we figured out really quickly is that there was always something to interrupt our balance. And so, so I told you in the beginning of. Uh, of this series, uh, as we've been announcing it, that many of us were fighting for balance. Like, okay, we got it. Nobody move. Kids, stay right there. We found it. I don't know if I've ever met a person like that. And so I almost feel like what we were fighting for was a little bit of a myth than actual reality. And so Jackie and I, what what we found out was like, man, uh, we got to stop fighting for this thing called balance. And believe me, I'm all about moderation. And I'm not saying that balance is, is, is bad. What I'm saying is that was how we go about finding that a lot of times is, is not what we think. And so if you're taking notes, jot this down. Jack and I decided, we said, rather than fighting for a normal life, let's create rhythms for our real life. Because we, our life is not normal as pastors. I don't even know what normal is. But we, you know, kind of normal, you, you go to work, you, you kind of have a, a nine to five, so to speak. You know, you talk to millennials, that's not even normal anymore. It's like, no, I'm an entrepreneur. I work when I want, right? I make millions while I'm sleeping, right? I mean, on YouTube. I mean, it's just, there's just, <laughs> normal is shifting and changing. There, there, there's really not this thing called normal. And, and we were trying, we we're trying to fight for this thing that really didn't exist, so we said, you know what, we're going to, rather than trying to fight for a normal life, let's just create some rhythms for our real life. And, and this is where I, I think we're, we're still, you know, we have three kids, and our kids are, are, are growing, and every season requires new rhythms. I, I think the greatest picture of this is our family fun day. So one, one of the things that we established when we came here was a family fun day. We knew that the demands are high. So we need to establish a day that we just spend time with our family. It's not for sale. Like, we don't work. It's, it's like our Sabbath. But, but even our family fun day, like, it started on a Monday, and then the season changed, and so we had to move it to Friday. And now my kids are in school, and so, and Mondays doesn't work because we homeschool uh, Abby and Hannah one day a week, but only goes five days a week, so Fridays don't work. So now our family fun day is on Saturday until the summer, and then we're going to move it back to Friday. Right? So, so it's, it's, it's the, the core of, of, of what we're doing doesn't change, but the rhythms and how we go about it, it constantly has to shift. We can't just lay down and say, sorry, no family fun day. Doesn't work on Mondays. Mondays are sacred. No, they're not. What's sacred is, is the rhythm. What's sacred is that we have a day every single week where we're spending together as a family. And So, so we started to understand the principle of the fulcrum. Now, now this is, this is a, a little bit of physics for you, so let me, let, me, let me break this down. Let me show you a picture of what it looks like. A, a fulcrum, I think, is a great picture of how we figure out balance in our life, how we go about navigating and finding rhythms in our life. Because a lot of times, we think that balance is just right here with the wood and the rock in the center. But that, that's, a lot of times, not reality for any of us. And so with Jackie and I, what we've learned to do is say, Lord, what are you speaking to us today? What are you speaking to us this week? What are you speaking to us in this season? And, and it, might look like, it might look something like this. Like you, 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 might, you might have the panel, right? It's right in the middle. But then the Lord says, man, you know, Matt, I, I want you to really focus on your wife this week. But, Lord, I, I, there's a ton of other things to do. I, I know. And so you go ahead. I'm, I'm going to shift. I'm going to focus on my wife this week. And it seems like it's unbalanced. But then the Holy Spirit comes right here and levels it out, says, no, I got that other stuff, right? And so, so it's just this beautiful, creative way of saying we need to be led by the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God create the rhythms for the season that we're in. And, and we get this. Like, like, we understand seasons change, and so do rhythms. Like, when winter comes, it changes the rhythm of our clothing, right, from from Winter, summer, spring, fall, and every season things change. How we vacation, what we do, you know, do we, do we go outside, do we go to the park? No, rhythms change in every season. And what's interesting to me is, is we understand that and we're okay with that, but many times I've, I've had the pleasure of sitting down with many couples and in our relationships, like, we know when something's off. Just like when you see, you know, you're driving to work at 6 a.m. And, and you're seeing kids walk to school. It's 30 degrees and they have shorts and tank tops on. You're like, you missed the season. Like, put on a jacket, right? You're going to catch a cold, you know what I mean? And, and so, so we, we know when something is off. And unfortunately, many times we know when things are off in our relationship, but we just continue to move forward in old rhythms, old patterns, that aren't working and we stay stuck. And then rather than changing the rhythm, sometimes it gets to the degree we just rather change the spouse. Like I just, you know, and, and sometimes it comes to that. Or, or if it's just in a relationship, it's, if it's in a friendship, rather than just changing and starting with rhythms, it's like, man, let me just unfriend you. Because, because it's hard. It's hard to break rhythms. I'm gonna tell you why. Let me show you the definition of rhythms. Definition of rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. It's hard to break because it's regular, and it's hard to start because it's regular. Like, it takes time. Like, there's, there's an ingrained pattern, especially if it's dysfunctional. Man, it can take some time to get out of that rhythm. And then if you need to start a new one, right, it can take some time to get in the rhythm of things, as we like to say In in different conversations. But you can see, man, this is so important that we get our rhythms right because they're the repeated pattern. They're the repeated pattern of our life. And so I I think it's important, and I want to make sure that we're starting off this series in the right key. That we're inviting Jesus to renew our rhythms, that we're inviting Jesus into our area and giving Jesus freely free permission to speak. Into each and every one of our rhythms, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether it's in regards to your family or your parenting, asking ourselves, man, are we in a healthy rhythm? Now, some of you guys are like, oh gosh, I'm in trouble. Can I just tell you, some of you guys may be thinking, man, I've already blown it so much relationally. Listen, if you've been through a divorce, um, I want you to know that there, there's no shame for you here. There's no, there's, there's no false guilt or condemnation. Like we can't do anything about the past, but we can start now. Do you see what I'm saying? And so maybe, maybe you're in a relationship right now, and it's just unhealthy. So many unhealthy, repeatable patterns, unhealthy rhythms. Maybe you're a single, and you've got some unhealthy dating going on. Some unhealthy things, rhythms in your life, patterns, sometimes it may include technology, pornography, rhythms that somehow you've justified because you don't have the other person yet or whatever the case may be. Can I just tell you, can we invite Jesus? Can we agree as a church we're going to invite Jesus into into this space and let him speak into our rhythm? So, so, So I say all that to say that there's hope. There's hope. In fact, let me show you this passage in in Lamentations. It it says this. It says, I will never forget this awful time. Maybe that's where you're at right now. It's awful. It's horrific. It's 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 difficult. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And I want to be sensitive here because some of you have lost a relationship. And it's still painful to this day. Maybe you you haven't recovered yet. You haven't healed yet. And that's real. Like, we just need to say la, just sit on that for a minute. Some of us in our relationships, man, you're, you're, you're together, but there's been so much loss and devastation. It's just like, man, is there any hope for recovery? It says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. See, what lies ahead does not have to look like what lies behind. His mercies are new every morning. And so I, so I just want to invite you to a fresh wind of hope that, that if, if, you, if, if you're single and you just feel like, man, they're never coming, or if, if you're married and you feel like, man, I just don't see how this is going to shift, or maybe you're married, but it's just kind of, it's not bad, but it's also not thriving. Yeah. And it might just be some tweaks in your rhythms, and then also, man, if, if there's been devastated loss, can I just tell you that God has a hope and a future in mind for you? But, but I also got to give you the bad news because, you know, I want to give you hope that, yes, uh, what lies ahead does not have to look like what lies behind. But, but let me just speak to the married couples for a minute. Um, the fact of you, you know, is it really possible to have a great marriage? Is it really possible? Let me just take it a step further. Is it really possible to have great relationships? And the answer is yes, it is possible, but statistics show it's not probable. So it's possible, but it's not probable. I mean, when it comes, to, uh, when it comes to, to the divorce rate, both in the church and outside of the church, it's 50%. Like, you got a 50-50 chance. That's scary. Right? I mean, would you go on a plane? Say, hey, it's 50-50 chance. We're going to make it today. <laughs> Sit back. Enjoy the ride. Thank you for traveling. Like what? But isn't it crazy? Somehow in our relationships, we have just settled that that's okay. Like we would we would never put ourselves we would never we would never put ourselves in those odds on so many things. But relationships were like, yeah, we know the odds, but who cares? Let's just try to make it work. let go through the motions. I, I'm so amazed. Uh, even Jack and I through our journey, we just thought, man. We were amazed at how little we can prioritize and even schedule our relationship in. It's like the most important thing. Our ministry flows from our marriage. Yeah. And, and, and for that to be, you know, a, a critical endeavor and just our, our personal relationship, our, our, our love and our intimacy with one another, man, it's just amazing how little we prioritize the relationships in our life and our intention. We schedule, we're, we're intentional with everything else except many times our relationships. Yeah. And so, so I'm here to tell you today that, that, that there is hope because there's another key that you can start to play in. There's another key. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. We need to learn how to play in the key of seek. The key of seek. Now, now this is important because I'm laying a foundation for us. I can give you all the chords for this key, but if you don't start in this key, it doesn't matter. You can try to fix your behavior, but unless Jesus is tapping into your heart, good luck. And so, so I, I want to lay the foundations because the, the, we want to make sure that over the next four weeks that I give you some great chords to play, but you got to make sure you're playing in the right key. Because if we start off in the wrong key, it's going to be a disaster. You can try it. If you don't know the key you're playing in, it's rough. It's, when, it's, it's the moment where you see the entire worship team looking at each other like, where are we going? <laughs> What's happening? You know? And it's scary. And sometimes you're like, just fake it. We love you, Jesus, All right? Just go. I mean, literally, there's some times where I lose it, and I just stop playing. I'm like, I'm not going to try to mess it up. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to pick back up on the next verse. I'm just going to let it die. Because, because here's the reality. Is God has a hope and a future in mind for you. God has a hope and a future in mind for your relationships. Jeremiah chapter twenty nine eleven. It goes on to say uh, in verses 12 and 13, he says, call to me, pray to me, and I will listen to you. And then he says, and then you'll seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I was listening to one of my favorite pastors. His name is Dave Patterson, and he brought out a, a nuance in the scripture that I, was just, I never saw before. And this this word seek, it actually, uh, in the original text, in the Hebrew, let let, let me show you what it means. I want to show you a picture. It it actually means a well worn path. A well worn path. And I started to, to, to think about this for a moment. What does a well worn path do? First of all, how does it get there? Well, there's a pattern, there's a rhythm of walking on the same trail, on the same path, over. And over and over. So much so, it gets to a point where nothing grows, no weeds. There's, it's just, it's so worn out that, you know, you, you walk through and i, I tell you what, a, worn, a, a well-worn path brings great comfort to me as, as I'm hiking. Because there's nothing worse than getting to one of those moments where you're looking you're like, I don't see a trail. Is that a cow trail or a person trail? Is that a bear or a coyote? Like I've done, I made the mistake of letting my kids watch things like I Am Prey on the Discovery Channel or whatever. So they're like, "Dad, is there an alligator in this pool?" You're okay. You're all right. I'm telling you, you got to find some good rhythms. You'll mess people up. But this this is huge. We need a, a well-worn path. You're not going to get those stickers that are just going to annoy you the whole walk. Right? The Bible says clearly that many times it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's, it's a well-worn path. And, and so, so just imagine in our relationship if the well-worn path is, man, we just seek God. We just, we just seek God. We seek God. And it sounds really spiritual, but how does that actually play out? Well, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says it this way. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Another translation says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And he will give you everything that you need. Now, now the kingdom, don't get too distracted by the kingdom. Kingdom just simply means administration. It it means his rule, his reign. There's a way that this administration, there's a way that the kingdom of God functions. There's a way that, that, that God rules. There's a way that God reigns. There's a way that he designed things in such a way where they work. And I think if you take this passage and you contrast it with with, uh, the prophet Haggai, as we see in the book of Haggai, we see see this this devastating moment where they're rebuilding the temple of God. They're pumped up. They're excited. Man, we're making a well-worn path, seeking God. And then because of opposition, because of, of, of pressure, because of difficulty, discouragement, they stop building the house of God. And they start building their own house. And then the Lord says, man, you are living in paneled houses while my house lies in ruins. And that is not God's best for them. God's saying, listen, the fact when when I'm a priority, listen, when I am a priority, when you are seeking me. Now, I understand that you may be sitting here, well, my spouse does not go to church. I get it. But you can still make a well-worn path. And God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you ever thought possible, beyond what you could ever imagine. So, so if that's you, don't get discouraged. Man, keep, keep, keep making that well-worn path. Keep praying for your marriage. Keep standing in the gap for your family. Keep, you know, ministering to your kids. Right? Just, just keep going. And, and can I just tell you, it doesn't mean that if you make a well-worn path, everything's always going to work out the way you thought. One of the, the, one of the most scariest things that, that I have to realize is when I lay my kids down to sleep and I give them a kiss, I have to realize this reality that I will never be their savior, yeah. that I can't save them. It's the most vulnerable thing as a parent. I can do my best. I can do my best to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make a great path for you to walk on, but I can't save my kids. They're going to make their own decisions. They're, they're, they're going to have to, you know, wrestle through different things in life. So, so I, I say all those things because I know there are so many different people in here, and, and the enemy would love just to throw thoughts into your minds, but, but, I, but we can't get away from this because, can I just tell you that even in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, when things aren't going right, when there's a breakdown in our relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is, that, that we, we can't get away from seeking first his kingdom, we can't get away from, from putting God as the priority because that, that then affects everything else about how we handle the situation, about the, the more collateral damage we, you know, you know, we bring to the table. And so, so can I just tell you that, listen, when God says, when you seek me first, he says, I step in and give you everything that you need. It may not be everything that you want, but everything that you need. And he knows what you need better than you know. And so God steps in. There's power there. God says, listen, when you seek me first, you let me build the house? <laughs> it's going to be a much better house. But here's the temptation. If you're single, ever taking notes, you might want to jot this down. You'd rather seek first a spouse. You'd rather seek first a spouse. Craig Rochelle says something about this in his book, From This Day Forward, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit, but I think it's a great point is that we don't want to see God first. We need a spouse. But can I just tell you, um, it's really important that you see God first because you may find a godly Christian lady or gentleman, but still be, still be unequally yoked. Uh, like like there, there was a girl before Jackie. There was a girl. Oh, I know. Well-worn path. I'm making that. I'm making it. <laughs> hey, we're transparent. She knows it all. And, and, and there, was this, there was this girl, and we, we worked together. We, we were attending Bible college together. She loved Jesus. And and was just like, man, and she loved, she loved me. We weren't in a relationship. We kept it as friends. I was super cautious and careful because I didn't want to make any promises. I remember the time she tried to kiss me. She tried to kiss me. And this is like, like one of the first times I ever said no, right? It's like, there's fruit. But I, I, I didn't kiss her because I didn't want to do anything physical. Because I'm like, I, I'm not sure about this. But everything about her said, man, she's perfect. She loves Jesus. She's a Christian. She's called to ministry. Like, she's perfect. But I'm so glad I, I listened to the Holy Spirit. Because there was just something that I just felt the Spirit of God say, she is perfect. But now you're perfect. Yeah. And, 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 and during that course of time, Jackie started coming to the church, and, and Jackie was the wild card. Like, she, what, you know, just felt like, like this other relationship was a slam dunk. Jackie wasn't even on the map. She didn't even know that I was interested or liked her or anything like that. But, but it was like I, I knew that she wasn't the one, so I didn't want to break her heart. So listen, you've you got to seek God first, not just because, you know, seek God first before a spouse, so you can seek God while you're preparing for your number two, so that you know that just because they're saved does not mean you're equally yoked. Like, if he feels called to be a missionary and you feel called to be a pastor, might not work out too well. And so, so and, and I think this is important because a lot of times, uh, you know, seeking God first, it, it puts things in perspective. And, and remember, a lot of times what we idolize, we eventually demonize except for God. Like, for instance, like, like we start off and we're like, oh man, she's so organized. Man, she's so on it. Right? Some time goes by and you're like, man, she's so controlling. I, I can't get her off my back, right? And, and, and ladies, in the beginning, you're like, oh, he's so kind. He's so gentle and soft. Then you're like, man, this guy's passive. He doesn't make any decisions. What is going on here? And so, so it's really important, it's really important, it's really important as, as you're a single, listen, man, seek God first while you're preparing, and let him make you in to the person that you desire, let him make you into that person that, that, that God wants you to have, like, like become that person, that godly individual that would be, you know, would be a great blessing to somebody else. Now, now, now as, as, as a married couple, the temptation is this. We want to seek first my spouse. And this is really difficult because a lot of times in marriages, we, we put our spouse before God. And then it gets a little funky because we start to put expectations and trips on them to fulfill needs that they were never meant to fulfill. And then the load is way too big for them to carry. And, and so because they were never meant to be, to be God. People don't make good gods. They just don't. And so it puts these unhealthy expectations and demands, and it just causes so much turmoil in the relationship because there's a constant way because I'm expecting you to be God in my life. And there are things that I'm asking from you that only God can fulfill, but either I don't know that or I'm choosing not to see that. And instead of seeking God first, I'm I'm seeking you first, when in reality, um, we should be seeking God together as a couple. Do, Do you see what I'm saying? And a lot of times when pain is in the picture, that's when it gets real messy. That's when we start, when, when there's unresolved pain, a lot of times when we're not seeking God first, we're not inviting God into our pain. The pain that he wants to tap into and heal so that we can actually breathe. So that we can be whole. So that we don't bring that junk or we're able to untie some of those difficulties in our marriage as a result of some of our brokenness. A lot of times, every, and I've been, I've been doing this. Listen, I'm, I, I know I'm young, but I'm not new. I've been meeting with couples for 20 years, and I've seen this over and over and over. A lot of times where there's pain, I don't want to see God because then I have to deal with my pain, but I'm going to put all the expectation on you to be my God and fulfill my heart and my desires that I desperately need, but only God can fulfill. And then it's just like, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. And so, so, so here's the deal. This stuff works. Seeking God works. In fact, let me show you a stat, a study. Uh, Harvard, Gallup, and the University of Texas research reveals that reveals by doing three simple things on a regular basis, you can divorce-proof your marriage. And these principles apply across any relationship. If you take them and apply them, I promise you, you're going to see results. And the first one is, it might be kind of obvious, but it's just if you're taking notes. It's pray together. Pray together. That seems pretty obvious and simple, right? A Gallup poll came out with this statistic, and I thought it was really interesting. They said it this way. Go ahead. It says, a Gallup study revealed that only one out of 1,100 or 1,156 couples got a divorce after or divorced if they prayed together. So one out of 1,156. That is crazy. That dramatically reduces your odds. If there was a plane... You're on one plane, it's 50-50 chance. But there's another plane that says, yeah, one out of every 1,156. Wouldn't you do everything in your power to get off of that plane and onto the other one? But in our relationships, we just stay stuck. Same rhythms, I'm going to go ahead and take my chances. Well, why do that? Let's increase the odds a little bit. And so, so I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, it's, it's people, they get a little bit nervous. They get a little bit afraid to... To pray together, but, but let me let me bring you to a passage that maybe you never looked at this way, but I think is going to help us. Um, so go with me there. Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to see Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the, and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, "Can you see anything now?" Now, I love this part because I think a lot of times, uh, I think at this moment, most scholars would agree that he was led out of the village, away from hostility, away from unbelief, just just outside of all, all that chaos. And I think prayer is such a great picture of that. Prayer has a way of leading you out of the chaos, out of the unbelief, into the realm of possibility of what God can do. I can't tell you how many times Jack and I would get together, like, we could, we'd be, you know, arguing, and we'd be, you know, we don't throw blows, but you know what I'm saying. We'd be like, we'd be going at it, and then all of a sudden, we would take time and say, hey, well, let's just pray. None of us, we don't feel like doing it. Matter of fact, it seems just as ridiculous as Jesus spitting on the man's eyes in the moment. Like, what is prayer going to do? What is, what are we like, going you to know, spit on my eyes, right? Like, but so many times, that moment of prayer has let us out. Of all that chaos, all that unbelief, all that anger, all that emotion into the realm of possibility of seeking God first and saying, Lord, we know that you're bigger than this situation. But it doesn't start off like it's hard. It seems ridiculous. Like we're going to argue and then we're going to stop and pray. Like in the moment, it does not seem feasible. Sometimes it's not. But if you can, I promise you, prayer has a way of leading you out. And then what happens? You start to see a little bit more clearly. But, but I would propose that this needs to be a rhythm because the passage continues. And it says, The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And, the, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. And I love this word again. Because I think, I think prayer has to be a constant again. It has to be an again rhythm in our life or we just keep coming back. We might not see that clearly this time, but, but maybe the next time we have to keep coming into his presence, allowing him to lay hands on us, allowing him to touch us that we might see clearly. Because listen, in the moment, in difficulty and in battle, it's tough. But what if you got on the front end of all of that and just developed a rhythm of prayer before things got crazy? Maybe, I wonder how many battles you could be spared from if you just developed a rhythm of prayer, inviting the Lord to lay hands on you, on your heart, on your marriage, on your relationship, on your kids. And, and, and so let, let me just say this, a little disclaimer, if you're dating, be careful with this. Like, like, right, like leave room for the Holy Spirit when you pray. Don't come along like, hey girl, I just, am just going to lay hands on you like Jesus did. Let's just go ahead and pray together. I'm really getting a word from God right now. We're supposed to be, you know what I mean? Like, keep your distance. Leave room for the Holy Spirit, and he's really big. So just leave a lot of room, a lot of space. Hey, in all seriousness, because prayer is intimate. Like, I, I think you should pray together, but, but, but you're not called to arouse love before it's time yet, so don't get too intimate. So I'm just saying, like, like, lean into that. Somebody needs to hear that today. But, but I think then also, I think a lot of times we don't pray because we're just afraid of praying out loud. Like, oh, man, like, you want me to pray? Or our spouse prays forever. And we're like, she's like, you, you want to pray? He's like, come on, babe, let's pray. And they're like, no. No, I, I got to wash my hair. So you got to communicate, right? You got to communicate to come together and say, hey. Let's, t- let's take a moment. It, doesn't ha- it could be a text message. It doesn't have to be a paragraph or a dissertation. And so, but, but the goal is to start. The goal is to start. Now, now hear me out. If you're afraid of praying out loud, let me help you out. Let me show you right here. Start with why and not with what. So as you're getting ready to come into to prayer, maybe, maybe there's something you guys are going to pray about. Um, and, and this could be anywhere. This could be uh, in a small group. This could be with your friends. This could be with your spouse. This could be in a relationship. Don't, a lot of times we get so tripped up of, what am I going to say? Well, just stop for a moment and ask, why am I about to pray? Good. Well, we're about to pray because, man, we're grateful for this meal. Okay, well, cool. So if I, if I understand why, the what will come. So just take a moment to define the why. Like, why would I pray for my wife? Well, because I love her. You know, I, I, I want God's best for her. Okay, that, then that'd be a great prayer. You know, and so, so don't, don't, don't make it complicated. Okay. Just start with why. Just in the moment when they're like, hey, would you pray for the food? What am I going to say? No, no, no. Why am I praying? Like, what are we celebrating? What, what's, what's the moment? What am I grateful for? Okay. What are the, you know what I'm saying? Why, why has God put me at this table? And who cares if you take a minute to think through? Then let it go. And It doesn't have to be long or drawn out, but the goal is this. Start. Your odds dramatically increase, and God says, Man, you seek me first. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna show up. The second thing is this that studies have shown um, from both Harvard, University of Texas, and Gallup that if you discuss the Bible together, it really increases or decreases your chances of divorce by 47 to 50%. Like that's that's crazy. And so you know what it tells me is if that the divorce rate is 50%, it's because not a lot of people praying. And there's not a lot of people discussing the Bible together. In fact, study, uh, studies have shown that only 4% of couples pray together. Only 6% of pastoral couples pray together. And so, so this, this is huge, but I, I don't have time to, to break everything down, but, but I, I want you to get this. There's a passage, one of my, one of my favorite passages, Jeremiah 33.3, 3, says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. And, and what, I, I just looked up this word the, the other day randomly. I was praying for somebody. God put this passage on my heart for them, so I looked it up. And the word call, it, it means to call out, to proclaim, or to read. I was like, read? And then I dove in a little bit deeper, and it means to read aloud or recite. I thought, wow, that's interesting. And God says, you, listen, you you seek me. You call to me. You read and proclaim aloud the things that I've revealed to you. You take my word and you read it aloud. You recite it. So I will show you hidden things that you have not known. I think in a lot of our relationships, a lot of the dysfunction is we just don't know. It's like there's some hidden things. Like I didn't know that the wisest man in That ever lived on the face of the earth said that a gentle word turns away wrath in Proverbs. I didn't know that. I mean, if I, a gentle word, it could like change the whole atmosphere of the conversation. It actually can. It's not, it's not guaranteed that that person is going to be calm, but you can And so so I think there's just a lot of things that that we don't know. And, And I think many times we think about, well, what does this look like? Does it look like a devotional life? Do I just come with my spouse or with, you know, my family? Do we just get together and read the Bible? Yeah, that could be one source. That could be one way. But how about a rhythm in your life? The Bible speaks about rhythms. Look at this passage found in Deuteronomy. It says, these commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. How? Talk about them when you sit when you walk when you lie down when you get up like like don't compartmentalize just a devotional life for 5 minutes with your family It's no 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 when you're sitting down talk about discuss the things of god I man as you're, as you're as you're sitting down as you're lying down as you're you're going to bed like like create some rhythms in your life. Maybe, you know, as a couple, you guys, Jackie and I, this happened to us the other day. We were both, we both do the one-year Bible. We, we don't, we, we don't, we rarely do it together, but we come and we discuss together. And so, like, the other day, we were reading this one particular passage. She, she came out of the room, and I looked, and I'm like, man, did you hear this? And, and we we're dialoguing. We're like, man, we need to make a shift here. And it's just so cool. It's just discussing the scripture. It's just discussing it, impressing it. What, when we're sitting down, when we're Walking when we're lying down, when we get up, just create some rhythms. Talk about what God is doing, but you can only talk about what you know. So at some point, you got to make a decision to get into the Word of God. Let God's Word permeate your heart. Read it aloud and recite it, that it might that it might do what it's able to do. That it's sharp, it's active. it's, It's sharper than a two edged sword. It's able to cut right to the very depth of all of our issues, all of our stuff, our heart. And so, man, lean in here. And the last one is this, is attend church together. They said that this dramatically, 50 percentile would dramatically decrease um, divorce rate. And, and I'm just telling you, if you do these things in any relationship, it's, it's going to make a difference. But this may seem not like a, a, a big deal. It's like, yeah, well, okay, we, we attend church together. But, but how about faithfully? How about, how about you, you, you attend church together on, on, on a regular basis? You know the average person only, only attends church now once or twice a month, the committed person. And it's kind of revolved around, you know, if sports is happening, if this, like, we know when, like, the Raiders are playing, it'd be like, we know we're going to be missing people today. The Niners are playing, like, it's, it's going to be some holes. And I'm not saying you have to be here every single, yeah, right? Uh, Niners are playing, no, there's going to be some holes here. Man, I'm telling you, Nighters and Raiders fans, you guys need to get saved. Um, but, but, but it's true. It, it's, it's faithful. And you know, say, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, like you better come to church every week or you're going to get a divorce. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, hey, how about we increase your odds a little bit? Like, like when have you ever regretted coming to church? Yeah, you've had some of those days you're like, man, I should have went to church. And I didn't. I've heard a thousand people come to me and say, man, Pastor Matt, I, sh- I, I, just, I should have trusted God. But I've yet to meet one that says, man, I trusted God and I so regret it. And so, so I'm just saying, like, attending church faithfully, it's, it's a new spiritual discipline. But there's something about reading, hearing the, the public reading of Scripture together. You know, I, I, think, I think small groups is a great attribute to this. Because I, I don't just think it's attending church on a Sunday, but I think getting in, involved in a small, getting some community around your, your relationships, getting some community around your marriages so you can have people that say, no, no, we want to see God's best for you. And that's not God's best. People you can bounce stuff off of. And, and then, man, people that you can help too. You know, I, we had uh, one person came to us. They, they jumped back on, onto the, to the serve team. And they said, man, I just, it's great accountability for me just to be here every week. And so I just think sometimes we downplay the importance of our gathering together. And and I think think that that we can be really tempted like Haggai. We can get discouraged. We can feel pressure in our marriage, our relationships. And and what we can do is we can cease to to look at the house of God and we can just focus on building our own paneled houses, building our own kingdom. And God's like, that's not my best for you. And so, so, so this is what I would encourage you, man. Put Sundays on the schedule. Put small group, schedule it in let just, just say, that's just gonna be a part of, of the rhythm of our life. This, this is just what we do. You know, uh, one of the things we don't do as a family is we don't compartmentalize church life and home life. No, this, this is our life. We just have rhythms in every aspect. It's dangerous to compartmentalize things. Kids start to, they start to get a distorted perspective of, so this is our home life, this is our church life. No, my kids serve on the team. We're in this together as a family. We just create rhythms um, that are gonna move us closer to God and are gonna move us closer to others. So let me close with this passage is this. I'll leave you with this. Remember, we're talking about the key of seek. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. This is just what Jesus did. He just, it was, it was, it was That's what we did on, on, on the Sabbath. We, we went to the synagogue. We would go. It was just our custom. It's just what we do. And so I wanna urge you to make a decision like Joshua. Joshua says it this way, he says, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, the ones that they serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living like the gods of the culture. But as for me and my household, this is the wrong address, so don't look at Luke. Um, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So, so I want to say, listen, if, if our relationships are going to, if we're going to play the right chords, we have to start in the right key. And so I would say, man, we've we got to start with this. It's, it's the key of seek. If he's not the foundation, then everything else we build on will be in vain. Because unless God builds the house, we all labor in.